Hi, this is George Thorgood. Hey, this is Pat Travers. Hey, this is Steve Lukather of Toto. Hey, this is Ryan. Hey, this is Chuck. We're in Black Top Mojo, and you're listening to Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. All right, everybody, it's Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. So thankful that you came back around this Wednesday. We're so excited to be with you. You know, before we get into, you know, our guest and what's going to be happening today, we want to let you know that the new Guitar Talk official website launches January 1st. That's right, January 1st. It's guitartalkofficial.com. And the reason I'm pointing that out is because we want to celebrate uh, what we've accomplished so far in the launching of the new site by doing our first ever guitar competition. We have an improv competition that's going on. You can go to the new website. You click the contest page, go down, register to take part in it. Uh, download the backing track, videotape yourself playing to the backing track, submit it back to us on or before January 31st, and the winner receives a brand new G&L ASAP Blues Boy Telecaster with a gig bag and the opportunity to be on Guitar Talk with me, Jimmy Warren. Now, the cool thing about being on the show with me is because, well, you're in good company, right? I mean, just think, who's going to be on in January and February? I don't know, Joe Satriani, Carl Verhey, Frank Marino, Andy Timmons, Lee Rittenauer. (laughs) So you're going to have some bragging rights. But besides that, we're going to spend an entire hour just talking about you, about your guitar playing, about your... uh, you know, your gear and your influences. And, you know, like I've been saying, we're going to talk about you so damn much that when it's all over with, you're never going to want to talk about yourself again. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. So we want you to register. We hope that you register and you participate. It's open to all guitar players that are not signed to a record deal. All right. So it doesn't matter what your skill level is. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. You know, the only thing that matters is that you're not on a label. Okay, and uh, here's the really cool thing. I've gotten three great judges to uh, judge all the videos that come in that are going to determine who the winner is. Those three judges are Carl Verhan, the former guitarist for Supertramp, Bernie Charvelli, who's played guitar for Michael McDonald, Steely Dan, the Doobie Brothers, and uh, a lot of other people, and then my good friend Tim Quick, uh, who's played guitar for John Legend and Alice Cooper, uh, Gloria Gaynor, the Bacon Brothers, and on Broadway and Rock of Ages, and you know other stuff. So we got three people that really know guitar that are going to be judging this. It's going to be a great time, and it's an opportunity to win uh, a new guitar and to get some exposure on my uh, my show. So we hope that you'll uh, participate. If nothing else, at least start using uh, guitartalkofficial.com. So, okay. So that aside, today is December 30th. We're just a couple of days away from the end of the year. Thank God, right? We all want to get 2020 in the rearview mirror. But you know what? We can't do that yet because we've got a great guest for you. Yeah. You know, uh, I... I I've gone through all phases of music in my life. I love all music. I really do. I listen to such a wide variety of stuff, and I'm influenced by a wide variety of players. But something that's always near and dear to me is is blues, because it was blues that really gave me 
my foundation and my start. And uh, it's a music that I really do love. And I love the history and uh, the people that I've been fortunate enough to be involved with with this. So with that, you know, I thought, yeah, I had to end the year with another great blues person. And so uh, trying to think of, okay, we've done we've done some really good ones so far. You know, we've had some really cool blues players on. So what are we going to do now? So I got Kevin Burt from Gulf Coast Records. He is the uh, acoustic guitar, blues guitar winner for the IBC, which is the International Blues Challenge that took place in Memphis uh, last year. It happens every year, and he won the uh, acoustic segment of that competition. And I tell you what, Kevin, man, is sweetheart of a guy, but he's also a tremendous talent. I mean, he, I, my hat's off to anybody that can, you know, sing and, and entertain and perform in front of people all by themselves, solely like that. He's really good. So, you know, without further ado, let me introduce you to the one and only Kevin Burt. I got to tell you, uh, I, I wasn't familiar with you, Kevin. And, uh, it was really funny that, uh, Doug, uh, kept saying, well, you, you gotta know this guy. You gotta know this guy. And I kept thinking, I don't know, you know, I'm really not so sure. And, uh, then it dawned on me that I've actually seen you a few times. And uh, I think the last time I saw you, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, you opened up for Tommy Castro at the city winery in Chicago. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I remember that because I was I was sitting right next to the stage. If you're, you know, looking at the stage, I was on the far right-hand side right next to the stage, uh which is where I like to sit when I go there because it's a it's a great seat. But anyway, I'm so impressed with with what you do because I know how difficult it is as an artist with a band, let alone to go up there completely on your own and entertain people the way that you did, man, my hat's off to you because it was really impressive. Yeah, man, thank you. I, it's, it's, it's so weird to me, man. It's, for me, it, I'm completely, I'm almost the opposite. For me, it's a lot more difficult to wrangle a whole bunch of souls to get them on the same page to be entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> to be on stage and just entertain. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm comfortable in either setting, but I always tell my fans, you know, the, the bands that I work with, cause I've not, I've not been in a situation where I've got sustained tours where I can have the same guys. I haven't had that for a long while. Yeah. You know, and so um, I always tell the bands that I that I work with, I'm like, listen, you play what feels right for you. Make me uncomfortable. Make me have to deal with that. 
you just play and be as comfortable as you can. If you, you know, if you don't know a change, when in doubt, just put on the one, and we'll figure it out from there. If you move and it's not where I move, then it's going to get awkward. But if you stay on the one, it'll it harmonizes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like I need to be in your band. <laughs> <laughs> I got to adjust quick. Otherwise, if everybody goes in different directions, then we all sound, nobody knows who's not fucking up. Yeah. But if, if everybody, if, if everybody else moves in the right direction and you stay on the one, you know, it still works. You know, the one is always in tune. Yeah. Well, you know, that make that makes sense. You know, one of the things that I, that I really enjoyed about, about what you did was the diversity of songs that you played. You know, you, uh, even though, you know, you're a blues guy, you know, or, or is known as that, you did some stuff outside of the blues realm. I, I, I can't remember what, you know, cause it's been a while, of course. But uh, I believe you did some stuff, I want to say, that was almost from, like, the 70s disco kind of era. Well, yeah, there's a handful of songs, man, that, yeah. uh, that for me, and, you know, it's, I revert to an old, uh, to, a, to an Albert King song. Um, you know, it's, there's a song, it's just, he just said flat out, I can't hear nothing but the blues. Yeah. And so I hear blues in a lot of stuff. Yeah. And it, you know, there's, you know, right now there's, you know, some folks call it gentrification of blues. You know, there's there's a lot of people that are playing, that are declaring themselves as blues artists right now, that didn't, in my opinion, didn't earn the blues moniker. They just get to say it, and that courtesy isn't afforded to blues artists. You know. Blues artists can't just declare. I'm playing a country song right now. I'm 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 going to be a country artist, and then the genre accepts them. Right. You know. <laughs> but, and you know what? And that is so crazy. You know the the whole. I don't know. It's. I, I guess it's kind of controversial, and maybe it's even subjective from person to person. But the whole box, the whole genre box. You know, is you know what's wrong with just being an artist? Exactly. You know, I I, I grew up in the days of Casey Kasem. Yeah. Top forty. Yeah. Top forty. You'd hear James Brown and then Glenn Campbell. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was just the top forty songs. You, you might hear, you know, Jethro Tull, and then you'd hear Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just these yeah. are the songs everybody wants to hear right now and uh we've gone back to segregated but we just call it genre yeah you know i mean point blank in the country world it's the, to me that's the most obvious one there, there will always be one black country artist at a time only you know? one and it's yeah there's only one at a time <laughs> right it, that's so messed up and, and it's and it's never been a woman yeah Wow. You know, and I never even thought about that. It's like, you know, I, I guess it's because I don't think in those terms. That's crazy. Yeah, well, that's, you know, when people talk about the, you know, the the whole idea of privilege has nothing to do 
with do I have the money? It, to me, it has everything to do with the fact that that I can just go in the direction that I choose to go and there are no barriers for me. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just because I declare. You know, I, I dig Joe Bonamassa and, and I acknowledge him as a fantastic guitarist. I think he's incredible. But if he introduces the world to Joe Bonamassa in 1980, he's, you know, another rock band. Yeah. You know, he is, you know, in the, in the same, uh, genre is any money he's in the same genre as you know yeah that you know as rush as you know whatever you know i it, it for me it all you know started to flip you know it, it flips because you see Stevie ray vaughn his music for whatever reason is acknowledged as classic rock but B.B. King and Freddie King and Muddy Waters and none of those artists ever get placed in that. No matter how many times those guys give acknowledgement and show testament that I am not who I am without these folks. Yeah. You know, I've even solicited for years, I solicited the classic rock station here just during the month of February. Say the cover tone and then play the original. Yeah. Play the cover tune that that uh, the cast did of the Lemon song, you know, that, that Led Zeppelin did of the Lemon song, and then play Blind Lemon Jefferson. Right. Play the original so the folks realize that they covered it. Yeah. You know? Play the originals of, you know, uh, you know, I Used to Love Her, and then play the Rolling Stones version. Yeah, but give acknowledgement to the origin of the music just during Black History Month, please. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. But you know, you know what? Uh, the artists themselves—if you really think about it—in most case, most cases, the artists themselves always gave recognition. You know, the Stones always recognize. I mean, look at Howlin' Wolf was on. <laughs> Howlin' Wolf was on TV the only time because the Stones said, we won't go on, we want him to do it. You know? Yeah. Well, it, so there's the, some artists that did, some that didn't. Yeah. You know, we still acknowledge, you know, uh, we, we Elvis Presley is he's a god in the rock and roll world, you know? And he got there singing a song that only makes sense if a woman sings it. <laughs> <laughs> well, between you and me, and I probably shouldn't say this on the air, but uh, I never was an Elvis Presley fan. You well, know, I, I'm like, man, it, you know, it's hard not to be an Elvis Presley yeah, fan. Yeah, oh yeah, it's not hard. No. I, and I mean, I'm, I, I can't say that I hated the man's music. Yeah. You know, but I, I, it, it, it bothers me that we, we propel the myth without acknowledging its root. Yeah. You know, and, you know, to me, that's, that is, you know, that is a fault 
of of black culture. You know, black culture will make things cool, and we let other people make it profitable, yeah. and then we get mad. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's, yeah. Oh man, you know, and it's like, no, man, we we need we. They understand, you know. We we came along. We we come up with these ideas that are creative, and and we establish cultural cultural shifts. Yeah. You know, I mean, <clears throat> people what? do what they have to do to get out of out of poverty the quickest way they can. Mm-hmm. You know, and we see entertainers being treated on a different level. Mm-hmm. We see chefs being treated on different level, dancers being treated, actors, actresses, all of the entertainment, sports figures, boxing used to be the way that you could tell um, who was getting messed with the most. You know, mm-hmm. we had Irish champions, we had German champions, we had Italian champions. And it was because People are messing with Italians. <laughs> so, in order to stop messing with Italians, we're gonna show you. We'll fight. We will kick your ass. You know, yeah. put me, in, and I will. I will beat the hell out of everybody. You know, you got a lot of South American fighters. You got a lot of African brothers from Africa right now that are coming into the MMA. To get out of poverty. Yeah, their way out. They come from war torn places where. Fighting with my fist, that's temporary pain. Yeah. You know, that I have to deal with. And, you know, <laughs> you know, you can watch things happen inside of culture. You see things show up and be cool. You don't have, you know, you think about this. Blues is the only folk art. You know, mm-hmm. the only folk art that really gets, um, that really gets, taken by other cultures and adopted into their own. Like, you don't have a bunch of Mexican dudes sitting around going, let's show the world what real poker sounds like. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you, don't have, you don't have a bunch of German cats sitting around going, ah, oh, man, you think they know Irish drinking tunes. <laughs> Uh, you're hitting on some good stuff though, Kevin, you know, (laughs) you, you, this is something you've clearly, clearly thought about. I I observe it a lot, you know, I observe it. And it's, it's just, it's one of those things where it's, it's flattering and surprisingly disappointing that we don't as, as for me, as, as black folks, yeah, you know, I mean, and and this is another thing. This is you know, and I, I I'm sorry, I'm. This has been the kind of shit that I've been thinking about. That's okay. <laughs> For the last several years, you know, I guess, and and you know, either good on me or shame on me, one one or the other. But you know, uh, sitting in and and you know, seeing. The, the path, the path that everybody travels, you know, watching myself go from, you know, a guy that plays 350 shows inside of about a 
200 mile radius of, of, of Iowa City, Iowa. You know, and, and being that guy a couple of years, a few years ago, to being a guy that got introduced to the world by essentially winning a contest that says that culturally my music is is, is world music, mm-hmm. you know? Being told that by just about everybody, and you don't play blue, even though I tell you I'm playing blue. I don't get to define my own folk music, how it comes out of me. <coughs> you know, being told that, and and then watching as the Rolling Stones come out and say. I know we're rock and rollers, but this time we're doing a blues album. Everybody goes, woo, they're doing a blues album, but it sounded exactly like everything they've ever done. They just got to tell you it's a blues album, and so we put it there, and they won all of the awards that you can win for playing blues. Yeah. You know? And that's, I don't know, somewhere between cool and this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I completely agree with you. You know, I really do. Uh, in a lot of ways, I think, uh, I think the, the genre, if, if I can call it in those terms, the genre of the blues has so many, Oh, it has so many issues within it, you know, simply because, you know, pardon my French, but, but people are just so fucked up sometimes, Kevin. You know? Oh, I don't. Yeah, they're just so fucked up. They just, you know, really don't have a clue. Look at, I, I've played, you know, with Lucky Peterson and Bob Margola and, and just a, a slew of guys that you would say are, are blues guys. But I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't dare, you know, call myself. It's, it's the thing, when you put out an album, you know, as an artist or a musician – like a guy like me, it's like you always hate to have to label yourself because, you know, like me personally, I know I'm not a a blues artist and I know I'm not a jazz artist. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I know, I know I'm not a lot of things. The only thing that I, I consider myself is just an artist. Right. And, and for me, I, say, I got no issue with somebody, you know, defining what they do. One way or the other. Yeah. I mean, I don't own it. Yeah. You know? But my issue comes when I tell you this is what I do and this is why I feel it this way. Yeah. My comes when somebody looks at me and says, you're wrong. Yeah. And, and I get that a lot. I get, like, you know, man, your voice is too pretty to be blue singing. Man, you are... Uh, <laughs> harmonica like a blues harp player uh man you, you know you use full chords man you use bar chords man because you use those bar chords man we're not playing blues all right hold on yeah <laughs> you know blues is phenomenally it's it's, it's notoriously geographic yeah. and how it, how its sound is defined texas blues players don't sound like Memphis blues players don't sound like Mississippi blues players don't sound like Carolina blues players don't sound like 
Delta don't sound like Washington State, don't sound like Chicago. Yep. Right? Yeah, 100% agree. I'm from Iowa. There's no defined, you got to sound like this. It's just not here. I'm influenced by everything around me. Yeah. Everything around me. You know, for 360 degrees in four hours, I'm in major market cities that have a defined sound. You know, for the most part. Yeah. So all of those things coming together, in my opinion, helped me to, to, to find a way to, to distribute my emotional story, to hand that to the world. Mm-hmm. That emotional story is the thing that defines blue. Can I make you feel it? Can I take my feelings and impose them on you? At least some kind of emotional response. Mm -hmm. That's what defines blue to me. More so than anything else. Because if it was about a chord progression, then Sun House got it wrong. Mm. Because he doesn't always move. If it's about chord progression, then John Lee Hooker got it wrong because he doesn't do one four and five on a standard count yeah you know oh yeah one of my one of my favorite quotes that somebody gave me was from john lee hooker they they were doing a show with him at at one of those times when he was showing up solo and then hired a band to play behind it and uh it was in the quad city was, uh, and and I forget the cat that was that was back at him, but I happened to, you know, we were we were hanging out and, and talking. He was just like, yeah, man, you know, our bass player was on stage, and we're we're warming up, Mr. Hooker's playing, and we on the one, we're playing, playing, and it's time to go to the four, and the bass player just goes, and Mr. Hooker was still on the one, and and the bass player spoke up, so wait, wait, wait. Mr. Hooker, right there, we're supposed to go to the four. He said, Mr. Hooker stood up, turned around, looked at the bass player and said, uh, I'm sorry, I thought that it said that this was a John Lee Hooker show. (laughs) (laughs) He said, boy, did you come here to count or did you come here to play the blues? Say, you know, it's a John Lee Hooker show. John Lee Hooker says when we go to the four, not counting, yeah. you know. There's playing the blues, and then there's being right. Mm. You know, you're not always right playing the blues. Mm. You know, it doesn't always have to be that standard thing. But what has to happen all the time is you have to be able to feel it. Yeah, that's the thing that has to happen all the time. If you can't feel it all the time. And there's a problem. Yeah, really, that's not really blues. That's it can it can be sonically fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are some amazing things that are being done, but if I can't feel it, yeah, it's, it's not it's not there. You know, you know, huge Eddie Van Halen fan. The world is a, is not a better place with with his ability to play guitar off of. Yeah. 
but I didn't feel a lot of the stuff he played. I just thought it was cool. Yeah. yeah. You know? Flash. Yeah. yeah, well, to me, it was... It was it was life altering. Yeah, you know what I mean. But then again, I, you know what I'm I, I gotta say it. You know, uh, uh, I opened up for Luther Allison one time, and that was life altering as well. You know what I mean. I got to open for Mister Allison, and the thing that I walked away from, I, I opened for him about three weeks before he passed away, mm. and. Uh, did the show. He and I were backstage after my set in the green room. His band is on stage and they're they're, you know, getting going with the, you know, getting going with the set. Yeah. But, you know, he and I are in this conversation and I'm I'm thinking that we're just back there about to make him late to get on stage and we're talking, talking, talking and the band hit this, you know, little little fill, this little thing. I heard the drummer do this run and and boom and he goes I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. He stood up. He stood up. Hit the little switch on his on his guitar, and started playing from. And I think he hit the stage. It had to be nine o'clock. I think my set went from uh, eight to eight forty-five, and then his set started at nine. And they had to make him stop. Now, the bar closed at 2 a.m. They had to make him stop playing at 2.15 a.m. Yeah. Make him stop. Yeah. That sounds about right. And, you know, he's walking outside. They, they pulled everybody's drinks. He's walking on the bar. He's... That, the lesson that I got from him in that moment you know, yeah. anytime you hit the stage, it is the last time you'll hit the stage until the next time. Yep. Yeah. Half-assed. You know, play from the deepest part of your soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and he did that every time he hit the stage. And I only got the experience at one time. Yeah. But I knew that this was par for the course because he was playing at a little bar called Dunner's in Iowa City, freaking Iowa. You know, he took the time to talk to me. A couple weeks later, I met his son. And that was another life-altering thing. You know, Bernard is probably one of the kindest people that I've ever met in my life. Yeah, yeah, super nice. You know, and... uh and yeah, I'm I'm blown away by the amount of of humanity mm-hmm. that these guys have, especially somebody like Luther, knowing that he had to endure a whole bunch of shit that I'll never have to experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I got the same thing from Mr. King. I got the same thing from Coco Taylor. You know, those times, those great folks, mm-hmm. you know, the lesson that you walk away for me, is the lesson that I walked away from those, those times with was, you know, respect the opportunity. 
you know, that's the thing that you never have to get. Yeah. You know, and they were all, you know, such unique people in their own right. You know, it's like they, uh, they come from, from such, I hope the words that I'm using is okay. They come from such an amazing background. Uh, yeah. You know, the history in what they endured and what they had to go through to get where they got was, you know, something that, you know, somebody like myself would never understand or, you know, uh, be put in a position of. But the thing that I find fascinating, you know, having been around some of those people myself, was the fact that they were all unique even though it was all to them, it was blues, and they were, they were all definitely blues. Uh, they were all really diversely unique in their own rights, you know. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was one of the I think as blues artists, you know. Yeah, tendency to hunt for the next. You know, um, as opposed to acknowledging the first anymore. Yeah. Guitar player. Oh, he's the next dude Ball. Oh, he's the next buddy guy. Oh, he's the next. He's the next. She's the next. And it's like, wait a second. You know, she's the first. You know, he's the first. You know, I, I will never, you know, anytime you reach to, to, to find somebody else's tone and somebody else's sound, in my opinion, again, very good, very appealing, but I've heard it before. Yeah. When I'm hear Albert King licks, I will listen to Albert King. I think that it's cool when somebody pulls some of those out, but, and as a matter of fact, that's, you know, honestly, I, I got, I got, Influences. I got shallow influences when it comes to playing lead guitar, man. I got Albert King, Freddie King, BB King. Outside of that, you know, I'm sorry. That, that's where my head wants to go. Those are the sounds that I think are the coolest out of the guitar. Yeah. Are the things that they play. So I don't know how to play any of their licks, but their influence is really, really present in any time I play a lead. Mm-hmm. You know where I'm trying to get to. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you know what? I think, I think that you know, I, I understand why people learn their their licks and their in their style and 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 try to mimic that in some ways. I mean, I understand it, and I think that in some ways, you know, it's it's a great respect, even though I think at times it's disrespectful because. You know, there's you know, like for me, there's certain there's certain songs and there's certain things that I wouldn't dare touch, just out of pure respect for the original artist, because I don't think that there's any way to do that song any better. Like for instance, I don't play the thrill is gone. I think the thrill is you know, and, and some of the other ones that that BB did, but I think it's such an amazing song within its own right that you know, to me, it's untouchable. You know, it's it's like certain Clapton tunes or certain Stevie Ray Vaughan tunes or, 
you know, certain Beatles tunes even, you know, it's, I would never touch those songs because I think that, you know, the artist, there's no way that I can outdo that. I, there, it doesn't matter how I spin it. It doesn't matter what, you know, flair I put on it or any other artist puts on it. You know what I mean? You, you can't touch this. You know what I mean? You just can't touch it. Well, I, I think, I think one of the things that blues has always been is available to recycle. Yeah. You know, I mean, one, four, five, once you, once you, once you've established that it's one, four, and five, to come up with a unique way or a feel that is different, than anybody's ever heard before, it's tough. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'd say so. You know, <laughs> and so yeah. to to take a song like Thriller's Dawn and you know not try and impersonate that's the, that's the thing. Like you said, if you're going to do it, it has to be to me. Those songs have to be presented so differently. Stevie Wonder is my guy from a standpoint of if you can't deliver his vocal story with the same urgency that his voice presents, you know, that, that timber there's, it, it, there's, you know, it's difficult to cover Stephen Wonder. Yeah. You can't vocally. So unless you're going to take his song and go as far away from it as you can, without it not being Stevie, Stevie Wonder's tone. So what I've done, like with songs like his, I've put like the lyrics to, 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 uh, uh, superstition. I put those lyrics over top of, uh, Boo Child as a, as a, as, as the lick. Yeah. All it does, it, it rides the one until it goes to the changes, you know? Yeah. And so, I, that, for me, I use that. I use those two songs in a medley. I play Blue Child and 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 uh, Superstition in a medley. You know, but I don't change the groove off of Voodoo Child. I use that. I use that as the the, the basic thing as a solo act. You know, yeah. at least I put the best I can. I have the whole song playing in my head, but all it is is me and my harmonica and my guitar and my voice. Yeah. And so, and and so, I've, I've I've had to come up with ways to find points of familiarity, but different enough that I have to make you have to pay attention. If I was going to try to do Thrillers Gone exactly like BB King, I would always be doing a foreign impersonation of BB King. Yeah. So to take that song, to take Thrillers Gone, and Turn it into, uh, you know, my own pine, my own, this, to, to find a way to inject my pain into that song. Explaining my situation and, 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 and getting you to understand I'm not singing this song because it's just a song. I'm, I'm singing this song because this song explains something in me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that makes that's, sense. That's what makes it different is, is finding that that emotional connection to the song to the point where it makes sense. Yeah. But if you're just playing the song, 
play the song and be correct about playing the song, all you're doing is a poor impersonation. Yep. It, you know, it, and I don't care if it's, you know, covers of ABBA. You know? Mm. covers ABBA, ABBA songs, old disco band from, and like the, the, the folks from over in Scandinavia, ABBA. Dancing oh. Queen, right? Dancing Queen. If you're, if you're, <laughs> And you're not, and you're, and you're doing it just to be technically correct. Yeah. You ain't ABBA. Yeah. It's not going to sound right. It's going to be a poor impersonation of what you might already think is a bad song. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so why would you do that what you think is a good song? Yeah. Why would you do a poor impersonation of of what you believe is a good song? If you're not feeling it, you shouldn't do it. But yeah. if you feel it. If that, if those words apply to your life and you can find that attachment and you can hand it back to somebody else, you know? Yeah. I know what it feels like for the love to just be gone. I've been there. Mm. I've been in that situation. So yeah, I can, I can sing about the thrill is gone from my own perspective. Yeah. You know, and give it to you with an emotional with with an emotional connection. It's not going to rival Mr. King by any stretch. Right. It'll never be that good, but you'll get it. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I completely get it. I understand it. You know what? And now, since I was talking, I uh, or listening to you, I think one of the songs that you did the last time I saw you was just the two of us. Yeah. Oh man, you, you killed that! I weave in uh, fifty ways to leave your love. That's what it was. There it is. Bingo, <laughs> bingo. See that need that you need to is that on an album? Because you need to put that on. Uh, that, that was so good, man. But like I say, in my head, when I play that with a band, the only thing that changes is the drummer. Yeah. Everybody else stays with the same groove at the same tempo. And then the drummer shifts into that, you know, as best they can. That that uh, was it. Uh, is it uh, is it Bernard Purdy or whoever it is that played the drums on that? Yeah. Uh, you know, whoever the drummer was, man, that little yeah, Everything else stays the same. So when you try and break those for me, when I was trying to learn, because I like those songs. Yeah. Tell blue story. They just weren't delivered on a blue stage. Yeah, yeah, but you 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 do such a good job on those songs. That's like I said, you know, in the very beginning. I know how difficult it is, you know, to to get in front of an audience a, a solo, and to not only be able to to do the songs in a way that is extremely professional and artistic. But yet, at the same time, entertain people is, I mean, there's a gift behind that. You know, that's not just, you know, that's just, that's hard to learn. You know what I mean? It's really hard to learn. I think it's it's a born gift. And, man, it, it's something that you do extremely well. Well, thank you. Yeah, extremely well. That, that 50 Ways to Leave a Lover, that's what it was. Man, I'll never forget it because, you know, I took a buddy of mine. Uh, that night, and I think that was all we talked about on our drive home. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? How cool that was. It's like, oh, man, I wish I could do that, you know? So, so uh, one of the one of the prizes that you, you get for winning the uh, IBCs, man, is you get to be on one of the blues cruises. Yeah. I was on the blues cruise, and, and Toronto Cannon was, was on the blues cruise. And, you know, I'd met Mr. Cannon, like, early 80s. Like right or late or mid early nineties, I should say. Yeah. Even though, man, I came to a blues jam in uh, in uh, at Buddy Guy's Mansion. I'd driven from Iowa City to be on a Monday night to go to the blues jam up at uh, Legends, and uh, Ronzo still had dreads and playing that Flying V, and he had to leave early because he had to be on the bus for the driver. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this, this is the coolest dude I've ever met. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, just super, super nice dude. Yeah, you know. So, I, for whatever reason, that entered that that we had a, a brief conversation. Got introduced to him by uh, Wayne Wayne or I can't remember if it was Wayne or Ronnie Brooks. I had just opened for them. Yeah. It's open for them in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and they told me about the jam session. So, like a couple weeks later, I drove up, and lo and behold, all of these cats are in there. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so mm-hmm. get that chance to meet him. I didn't cross paths with Mr. Cannon again until this vote. Right? Yeah. So, so Toronto comes to my set. I, I was at his set, and I talked to him. I was like, "You know, I met," and I, I explained the situation. He goes, "Man, I, I swear." I'm not sure I remember, but I, I do. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I have to. You know, he goes, I, I know I know you. I'm like, uh, yeah, it was brief. And so he came to my set, and I did that song, and my wife was filming it. And she's filming Toronzo's response to it. And so I'm playing the song, playing the song, and he's bobbing his head, bobbing his head. And when I made the switch to 50 Ways, his face. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> He's come a really long way. You know, I've known Toronzo for years and, you know, we've jammed together and shared the stage together many, many times over that time. And, uh, you know, he's somebody that's been really, really diligent and worked really hard. And, uh, you know, it's, it's cool to see somebody, you know, um, locally, you know, move up like that, you know, to the position where, you know, he finally was on what on Delmark, and now he's on Alligator, and you know now he's yeah. doing stuff on the cruises, and he's doing really well, and so that's cool, man. Yeah, Toronzo's a great guy. No, man, he's. I mean, he's yeah. he's, he's he's confident like every dude from Chicago I've ever met in my life. Yeah, surprisingly humble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of great. A lot of great players. Buddy Guys was actually 
you know, where I cut my teeth in the late 80s and into the 90s in that is where I got my gig with Buddy Miles and Sugar Blue and a lot of different people. And, uh, you know, that that was the place, you know, to hang out. And then there was Roses. I don't know if you ever went to Roses and hung out there. Well, man, but I I, I heard all, you know, I've, I've, I get told stories yeah. of, by everybody, man, you know. It was so cool there for a while, you know, because you had guys like A.C. Reed and Sun Seals and, you know, you had Coco Taylor and then Lonnie was around still and uh, Junior Wells. Yep. And, man, there was it was, you know, Big Daddy Kinsey and the Kinsey Report was really hot back then. Man, it was it was really cool. It was, and it, and it was, it was, it was that during a time as a musician, and uh, and this is this is a huge hats off to all those guys because you know here me, you got a, a a young white guy that loves the the music and really wants to learn, and you get all these guys like that that just kind of take you under their wing to some aspects. You know, there was a guy, Buddy Scott, had a band called Buddy Scott and the Rib Tips. And Buddy, man, was all over the city. His mom played guitar for Lyle Fulson. And, uh, you know, musical family. His son was the musical director for Tyrone Davis. And so, uh, but anyway, as a matter of fact, uh, Nick Moss played bass for him. And Joe Moss played guitar for him uh, when I first met Buddy. And, you know, Buddy would invite me all over the place and all the gigs I got with Lefty Diz and Little Max Simmons. And, yeah, I mean, just every place I played at Lee's Unleaded and the Checkerboard and Linda's and all this stuff was because of cats like that. And that scene back then was so cool. You know, it was so friggin' cool. And, you know, my respect for those guys is immense. You know what I mean? Because you, I've never gotten that or seen that anywhere else. Well, that's you know that's one of the things that that I've learned inside of this is if somebody is seeking that, you know, everybody that I've done any work for is always everybody has given me a little pearl of wisdom that I get to carry. Yeah. Um, early in my solo career, um. I got to do an opening show for uh, David Edwards, David Honeyboy Edwards. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was playing, he he was brought in to perform at the Wheel Room in Iowa City. And that's that's in the student union at the University of Iowa. And they contacted me, I was just getting started. Um, One of my house gigs, man, every Friday, while the weather was nice, there's a jewelry store. And I played this house gig for 18 years, man, as a jewelry store, they hired me to sit on, sit in front of it and play for, for an hour or two. Oh, you darn. And so I did that for 18 years, man. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's one of the places that I learned to play. I play for an audience that isn't an audience. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. People try their day, but if you can make people interrupt their day to stop and enjoy a, a moment, you know, that's, you're doing something different. Yeah. Because that's money. Yeah. <laughs> you, people are walking over the lunch hour. They're, they're, 
they're trying to get to lunch so they can get back to making money. If you can make people either late to lunch or late back to back to their job just to enjoy the music, you made somebody's day better than they planned it being. And yeah. so that was one spot. But this guy was walking past me one Friday and said, hey, give me a number. I got this guy coming in and I need an opening act. And, and it's the student, you know, student uh, music. Uh, they, they do, they purchase the music for the student, student union. All right, so this guy hires me to open for Mr. Edwards. I, I do my opening show for Mr. Edwards. And I get done, and it's just freaking crickets. Not applause, not a boo, not any response whatsoever. And I said, thank you, and I go walk off the stage. Mr. Edwards is standing at the bottom of the stairs at the stage. And he waits for me to look him in the eye. And I'm, I'm looking down. And I look at Mr. Edwards, and he smiled at me, and he said, he said these exact words. He said, boy, if you play for applause, that's all you're going to ever get. You did just fine. And he kind of chuckled, and, he, and I stepped out of his way. And I said, thank you, sir. And I walked over to a chair, and I put my guitar down. And I thought about what he had just said to me. And I got back up and I walked over to the stage and I waited for the person in front of me to, to get done talking to him. And he looked back at me and he smiled and I said, I needed that, sir. Thank you. Yeah. And, and he, he just kind of chuckled and he held and, and I walked away. Yeah. But that was one of the best little pieces of lessons, you know. Lonnie Brooks has given me a piece. Coco Taylor gave me a piece. Buddy Guy has given me a piece. Yeah. You know, Collins gave me a piece. And it was just a brief, a brief moment where they gave me this one little piece that I needed in order to realize that I'm doing something that is, you know, that it's bigger than just this. It's going to have an impact. You know, if I wanted free drinks, I'd get free drinks. If I want the applause, people are going to cheer. But if there's something more that I'm doing this for, I'll yeah. get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if he wouldn't have, if he wouldn't have bestowed that on me in that moment, I don't know that I'd still be doing it. Wow. That's amazing. And, you know, and that's, that goes back to what I was saying about the guys in Chicago. You know, it, it's it's that right there, man. That's that's what keeps you moving forward, and and you can't help but have respect for a guy like that. Oh, you know, you know, bottom line, he went, he lived through some shit. I'll never, ever, ever, yeah, I hope have to do. He told me stories, and I got to open for him like two or three more times, man. And he, he and I sat. He told me a story about when they used to when they used to jump trains to get from show to show, get to different places. Right. You know? And they would take sterno and strain it through, strain water through a sock filled with sterno. And that was the alcohol they would drink. Yeah. And to be told stories like that, you know, we'd still burn the sterno for fuel, man, but we we strain it through our we and that, that give us some hooch on the train. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Damn, I don't want to drink that bad. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. no I'm, I'm okay. I'm 
okay. Wow. So, so do you, are, are, are you working on, um, are you working on an album or you got any, any projects in the hopper or? I'm, I've, I've got a handful of different projects that I'm, I'm, I'm working on. Um, uh, one's a, uh, a, I'm writing some songs for a, uh, a kind of a dramatic, uh, piece. I'm going to be kind of a narrator and, and, and vocalist and it is stories about, uh, uh, Cabaza, Cabaza, Cabeza de Vaca. He was a, a more slave that was brought over with the conquistadors. So one of the first black folks to ever step foot on this continent, you know, that, that there is any, uh, any, uh, documentation of, right. Mm. Um, but he ended up being uh, a savior to a whole bunch of folks. He ended up learning multiple languages, um, uh, uh, multiple native languages, uh, Spanish uh, and uh, Native American languages. Uh, he paid attention to a lot of the, the medicinal herbs and things. He ended up saving a bunch of lives. Ended up, <laughs> yeah. ended up the paths of a bunch of conquistadors that were uh, got separated from uh, their ships and basically wandered and ended up being captured as slaves at, at different times and ended up eventually being outed as gods because they were able to, uh, because of his paying attention and learning herbal medicine, was able to save the lives of a handful of folks that were going through uh, some different uh, ailments. Uh, and, and injuries and different things. And so this dude is, he's somebody that's historically relevant, but nobody has ever really told his story. Yeah. A handful of historical, uh, books that were written that were trying, people were doing research on the conquistadors that came to, you know, basically pillage. But um, they ended up finding out about this guy who basically created a, a, a different path because of his ability to fight and think and uh, have have humanity about him, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's kind of cool, man. And I've, you know, I've been chosen to write these songs and to and to narrate this this thing. So that little project is one. Um I'm always writing songs and so I've got I've got stuff kinda in place for a new album. Um uh, but it's gonna be a little bit before uh I record. Um was talking to the folks at Gulf Coast Records about releasing some of my uh old live recordings. Yeah. Some of those and creating some compilations so that folks can kind of hear me as a younger man, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm 52. I've been doing this since I, since I was early 20, you know, and, uh, all of the recordings that I've done to date are up until the little village foundations released. Everything was just a live recording that I got bootlegged of myself and I have a CD duplicator (laughs) and a printer at my house. And so, 
I would I would actually print onto the CDs and duplicate them, and I'd always had product at that point, you know, and uh, and it was just my hustle. I didn't know the business side of, of all of it. It was just my hustle, and and, and so I did shows by volume and to make a living, and uh, didn't try to you know which tried to try to be home to be here for my kids and, and my wife and and. Uh, and, and my family, and, and I mean, I was still busy as all get out, but, uh, you know, I was, it all led to now. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, as things were getting ready to take off, uh, signing with Gulf Coast and, and getting ready to have a little bit of a, 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 a real break into the, to the scene on, a, on an international thing, the world gets sick. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. So yeah. So here we are. But you know what? You're you're positioned. You know well. I mean, uh, if I'm correct, isn't Gulf Coast? Isn't that Mike Zito's? Yes. Like, yeah. So you know, Mike's a great guy. So it really is. Yeah, you're in good company. You know, there for sure. And uh, so, you know, and he's got a business mind about himself. So, yeah. Him. Guy Hale is the the other head of the serpent, you know, in that uh, in that uh, uh, business venture uh, called Gulf Coast. And uh, yeah. Guy Guy is a, a remarkable businessman and 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 hustler himself, you know, but in a good way. Yeah, you know, he he's he's a quite insightful as far as finding ways to creative ways to help help uh, further. All of the folks on the on the label. Um, the, the, the thing that's cool is that the label doesn't have any favorite artists. They, just, they, they, everybody that works in this. I've been real blessed that the two labels that I've gotten to work with are truly family based. Yeah. You know? And you know, I, I'm, I'll never not be a little village foundation artist. That's, that's part of my family. That's part of my, my blood work at this point. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I have, I feel the same loyalty to the good folks at Gulf Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that, uh, like I said, I'm sure that once this all starts to clear up, you know, you'll, you'll be able to, eventually fall right back into it and you'll have a new project out and you know before you know it you know you'll be back to you know working 800 days a year and (laughs) (laughs) right and uh, because it's got to be so much easier to get work as a solo guy then one would think so man but people right now they're they're getting really tired of a person and a guitar. Yeah. You know, that's the, the downside of this is that the internet has flooded everybody's ears and faces with a guitar and a, and a face. Yeah. And, and so the, the, the one piece of difference that I have is I can throw the harmonica in there too. Yeah. And then I'm also, I'm a storyteller. And so from that end of it, I, I, I can bring another piece but it's that spot on the stage it is 
it is really feeling the electricity that can be in the air when everybody starts to make these little connections yeah. and realize that all of the things that that you're raising your fist at your neighbor about, more than likely you're doing the same thing to them. Yeah. You know, you, you get the you get the opportunity to realize there's so much more the same about everybody than there is different. Um, that basically, you know, to to get people to stop for a second and acknowledge somebody else has civil rights is the same thing that you expect. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's not, you know, demanding anything more. It's just asking for a little bit of the same, you know, the same respect level, the same, you know, all of those things. It's, not different. It's no different than what you want for your kids, your wife, your daughter. Yeah. If, if something happens, the system that's in place is going to look out for them. Mm-hmm. You know, this group of folks gets to assume that that's how it works. This other group of folks over here knows that it's not. And when we try and say this isn't it, all folks do is look over and go, but that's the way it works for us. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Well, like, come on, man. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so look at you. And it's it's almost like everybody being invited to dinner, and then you sit down, and everybody else is eating, and you hold up your plate and you go. I'm hungry too. And then everybody looks at you and goes, well, we're all hungry. And then they go back to eat it. Right. At them and say, but I'm hungry, but I don't have any food. And then you look at them and say, well, everybody's hungry. Get over it. Not just about you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get over because I'm still hungry. I, you know, and there's nothing being done about it. There's yeah. nothing being done the fact that there's no food on my plate. You know, nobody's trying, nobody here with food has offered me any food. Nobody here that's serving food has offered to get me any food. I'm just here with a plate watching y'all eat. And, and it's been that way this whole dinner party. Yeah. Yeah, all of us are hungry. That's why we're eating. Yeah. That's, that's such a, that's such a, Messed up picture, Kevin. <laughs> it's just so messed up. But it, it, I know, I know, it's reality. I know. Yeah, it's really that simple, though. It's life, yeah. That's Nobody, someone else is, is doesn't matter. You know, just saying. Yeah. That's the fact that for so long, there's been a certain group of us that have not been giving, given the serving. <laughs> Everyone else has gotten. Yeah. You know? As y'all seem to say that everybody needs to get. I'm just saying that right now, this, this, this isn't cool. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, the music has a tendency to, uh, has a tendency to change the, the perspective sometimes. Yeah. If, to acknowledge, at least, the, you know, the groundwork keeps trying to be made. 
Yeah. You know? Sometimes it, you know, sometimes through music it, it transcends that, you know, to some degree in that. Because, you know, what, music has always been something that has been a unifier in a lot of ways. You know, it, it's always been something that brings people together and that people are commonly passionate about, you know, to the point to where everything else, you know, you go into a, you go into a blues club or a club and, you know, you got great music and great entertainment and people, you know, all those, all those things just kind of wash away. It almost feels like to some degree. You know, or, or I should say they get ignored maybe for that hour and a half. I don't know. But, yeah. you know, but I don't know. Some Sometimes it just feels like it, it music is a way to to transcend that, you know. Oh, I, I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Is, uh, I, I got into a discussion with someone not too long ago, you know, that just said, you know, artists in general, Artists and poets have always tried to create a uh, uh, a path, you know, a path option um, to give us warning um, as as observers, you know. Yeah. The things artists are, especially poets and songwriters, uh, playwrights, generally they're observers of the human condition. And blues is, you know, I think it was in a Dylan song or in a Dylan quote that, you know, you got three chords in the truth, you know. Um, and that's one of the things that blues has always brought to the table is there's a lot of truth within it. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, a lot of different music genres create characters. And... Um, blues to, in my opinion, the characters that it created were not so much characters as they were just visions of souls that were on stage. That, you know, as observers, as people that were fans, we created the character mm. that that person was. But that person just got on the stage because that's who, this is who I am, you know? Yeah. And it was the fan that made them either larger than life or or more than what, but they never stopped being, you know, uh, just uh, a humble soul. Yeah. You know, they never thought they were, you know, to my opinion, you know, there, there's been some folks that, that get the diva, the diva gene, I guess. But I've been blessed to, to meet a whole bunch of folks. Like I said, they had the, they took the time to share a nugget of, of wisdom that would help somebody find their way on their path. Mm. Hopefully, to be someone who gets to share a nugget of wisdom. Yeah. You know, I want to be one of those folks. I I I. I hope with every ounce of my soul that I get to be one of those folks that at the time that I'm off this planet, that somebody's still telling the story of, man, you know, this dude right here, this guy, he changed something. Yeah. 
you know, that some kid 50 years after I'm off this planet comes across one of the songs that I wrote and it changes their world for a minute. You know? Yeah. Those are the things. That's what blues is. And that's what blues does. It's never going to die. Yeah. Going anywhere. Nobody's going to save it. <laughs> Nobody yeah. has. Because someone will have a Christopher Columbus moment. Yeah. It's been there. And it doesn't matter how many millions of other folks know that it's there. When you discover it, magic and it changes your world you know yep. exactly but me, I want to be I want I want the opportunity to be somebody's America I want I want them when I'm off this planet to discover me and that it be a, a profound moment hmm you know, you know what? You know what you ought to do. <laughs> now I'm now I'm Doctor Phil here. Uh, you know what? You ought to consider writing a book about those nuggets. You know, you know, just share those stories. You know, share those nuggets and stuff like that. You know, because you have an interesting way. You have an interesting outlook. And, and a good perspective. And I bet you, you know, I bet you're a good storyteller as well in the sense that you could intertwine all that into something that would, you know, um, shine a new light on the importance of, of you know, the, the honesty or the integrity behind the music that you're talking about. Man, that, that that that'll have to be something I, I take into consideration. You know, I, I, <laughs> time is something that I have right now. So that's the see. There you go. You know, you could write you could write it before the weekend's over. You know, I, you know the beauty the beauty of it is is to me, I, I would, you know, something. I've been considering. You know, I've got a friend that tells me I need to write. My book of Kevinism. Yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of philosophical things that that I say I, for whatever reason it, it makes it it, it it makes sense to me. But then when I share them with other people, it hits them. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like wait a second, I I never thought of it like that. Yeah, that makes yeah, and and it. Uh, it, it shifts the perspective a bit, and a lot of it's based on those those moments, yeah. those those moments, those stories shared, you know, from people that I've admired. You know, some of them are famous, some of them are famous to me. Yeah, you know, um, and uh, uh, no, I, I, you know, you 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 you, you may be stumbling onto something that uh, has to happen. Yeah. You know? Wow. Well, cool. I'm glad, you know, I might have had a, you know, uh, an idea in my lifetime. <laughs> you know, it's actually pretty cool. Well, i tell you what, Kevin, it has, uh, it's been a real treat talking to you. 
even though we didn't talk about the guitar. Uh, hey, we guitar, man. The, you know, I, I've, I've got a handful. Uh, I've got basically, um, I own about 12 guitars. Yeah. Uh, one's a Harmony Flying V that I had. I fell by the name of Ted Vig. Uh, and Vig's Guitars up in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, he put uh, some custom-wound uh, humbuckers in for me. Yeah. And it's a Harmony Flying V. And so it's not quite a bit, but it's a little bit shorter, and so it fits my body a little bit better than than, um, than your standard V. But it's a lot of fun to play. Yeah. Um, uh, and I only pull it out when I'm playing with a band at a festival. Um, I just I'm a huge Albert King fan, and so the Flying V is kind of like my holy grail. Um, I just acquired uh, from the phone piles of, of multiple friends that had uh, a, an old strap body that they didn't like, it was too thick for them, or they didn't like the color, whatever reason they were about to throw it away, and I took it. A uh, friend who had gotten a custom neck. Uh, for a strap, and it ended up being a little too thick, and he was going to throw it out. Uh, and he didn't like the fret on it because they were, were jumbo frets. He wanted smaller frets. <laughs> so yeah. I, I fought these things that were about to be thrown away, and I worked with my wife's stepfather. Um, he's he's kind of a, 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 a guitar junkie, closet guitar junkie, and so he and I he helped me piece and part this guitar together, right? Yeah. And, uh, again, I took it to Ted Big to, to tighten up and, and adjust and all of those things. But I've never been a fan of Stratocasters in my life. But my little Frankenstrat yeah. <laughs> is surprisingly comfortable, man. And it's, it's, it's my little beast, man. Um, uh, I've got another... Little guitar. It was a. I, I saw it at a little little guitar place, nine sixty five guitars here in uh, my area. I think they were located in Cedar Rapids, and uh, it's a Japanese brand. AXL was the brand, and uh, I didn't like the pickups. And so uh, the guy that ran nine sixty five tracked down some some P uh, some P ninety and put into it for me. And so the body kind of looks like a Jaguar. But it's not. Yeah. The little logo fell off of it, and so I found a little peace sign to put where the logo used to be. <laughs> there you go. So I called the guitar my peacemaker. And so so I got the peacemaker, I got the Frankenstrat, and I got my not quite a V. And then uh, for the acoustic side of my world, I've got this, uh, I've got the, the, the Dobro, uh, the, the I had the Morgan Monroe GoPro that a buddy of mine had bought online and didn't like it. And so it was just sitting in his room and, and I'd gone over to jam with him a little bit and I picked it up and I started playing it and he had made a mistake of telling me he didn't like it. So I said, how much does something you don't like cost? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I acquired it for, I don't know, 150, 200 bucks and, and that guitar was what I played when I when I won the uh, International Blues Challenge. Um, shortly after that, um, a 
good buddy of mine, uh, reached, he got uh, signed as a, a fellow named Ken Valdez, got signed as a, as a uh, uh, knowledge as an artist, um, featured artist with good folks at uh, Golden. Uh-huh. I've always been a fan of their acoustic electric. Yeah. Uh, that have the, the humbucker pickup. And ASIC Ultra is what is is what eventually I ended up connecting with them on. I actually found one used. Yeah. Um, my friends with the ASIC Grouch band, uh, Jenny Grouch, had bought one, and she didn't like it for whatever reason. And so she told me hers, and I loved it. It's just, I you know, it was red, and I'm not a big fan of the colors. Yeah. <laughs> it felt awkward. Not a thing, but just felt awkward. And so I reached out to the folks and showed them some videos, and they hooked me up with a tobacco bird. Yeah. Um, it had a couple of flaws in the finish, and I'm like, that's cool. I'm, I, I don't need to be pretty. It just needs to sound that way. Shortly after I'd made contact with them and, and started playing these, I got approached by another person who had endorsed my good friend Ken Valdez, um, fellow named Mike Delaney. Oh yeah, makes Delaney uh, the the guy that makes Delaney guitars. And uh, my oldest daughter's name is Delaney. And uh, uh, my old, my youngest daughter's name is Phoebe Ray. And oh. so, explained to him that I'd like to get a golden ish type of guitar, but instead of having the sliders as the EQ, have knobs that I'm used to. Yeah. And think it was a little bit easier. And I'd like a P90 instead of a humbucker. Because that's the sound that I'm a little more familiar with. I don't like the, the really clean. I, I like a more bottom-heavy, cleaning sound. And so, in the next week or so, I will have the Delaney Phoebe Ray. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I like Mike. I, I've had Mike on my, my podcast, and when I had a radio show, Mike was on it. Uh, he does. He builds great guitars. and uh, I don't own one of his, and uh, I probably should, but uh, but I do own a Godin Mullinac. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, a, it might, that's what mine is. It's an acoustic with a humbucker at the neck, and it is an amazing guitar. Sounds, sounds amazing. Uh-huh. I love it. One yeah. thing is uh, that humbucker is so hot. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't play well with uh, with and I'm not a traditional. I don't do a lot of electric guitar, but it doesn't play well with solid state amps. Yeah, you need a bigger tube amp to be able to add pedals in and, and do that kind of stuff because the signal's so freaking hot. You just, it, there's no control. It, it sounds fine if you just plug it straight into the amplifier. It'll yeah. get you back. But it's hard to develop that tone yeah. that you find, you know, on, on, an electric, on an electric guitar. And so I'm hoping, I'm hoping that I'll be, it'll be a little more controllable with the P90. Yeah, it, it will. It will. And it, it'll be a completely different sound. You know, exactly. yeah, I, I love the P ninety two though. I mean, it's like yeah. you can't you can't get a 
when you take a single coil and you beef it up like that, I mean, come on, that's yeah, it's beautiful. So, yeah, so I'm 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 hopeful that I'll be able to get that that acoustic ish, yeah. you know, because there's nothing about me that's like hyper traditional. And and as a guitarist, I've always taken the position if I show up and I'm playing a guitar that people are familiar with then they're going to expect a certain sound out of it. Mm. You know, show up with a flying V, you got to be able to bring it with a flying V. But if it's a flying V like I've never seen before, now I'm just curious. Yeah. Show up with a Stratocaster, and it's a beat-up old Stratocaster. Man, you better be able to make it sing. But if I can't quite figure out what's different about it... (laughs) (laughs)
you know, yeah. kind of guy. He's he's a guitar player, he's a guitar player. Yep. He lives he lives in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Right? So pick pick somebody I like hanging out with, you know, because I learn from him every time we hang out. And he's watched me go from a guy that didn't play any instruments roughly twenty years ago to a guy right now who's being acknowledged for being you know, I, I hell, I, I won the, the best acoustic, the most promising acoustic guitarist at the IBC. Yeah. You know, and and so to be to 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 have swung that far, you know, in 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 all purposes, you know, in in a, in a brief moment of time, as far as blues players are concerned, you know, and the difference between me and a lot of folks is I've learned. Everything that I know how to do, I've learned it on stage. I, 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 if somebody told you, told me, hey, can play a scale for me, I don't know that I could do that on deck. Yeah. You know, because all I know is these are the chords, these are the shapes that I watch these guys put their fingers in. And so I've got these shapes in my head and these sounds that they create. And I know that if I, if I do it here, I'm in tune with you for that song. If I do it over there, I'm in tune with you for that song. <laughs> and this is what the four looks like. This is what the four looks like. This is what the five looks like. I got those, you know. And then there's a handful of other songs that I've had to learn the names of the chords, you know. But I couldn't explain to you why this is an A chord. I couldn't explain to you why this is a B chord. I can play them, and yeah. I can find them, you know. I don't know. I don't know the theory. Yeah. And so, my head visualizes. You know, I, I need instruments that I can get a full sound out of and play comfortably for potentially three hours straight. Yeah. And that and that's been what what drives it because I don't like you know. One thing that I got from, from Luther Allison is that nobody hires a musician to take a break. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, if they hired you to play for three hours, be okay with playing for four. Yeah. You know, because until they stop you, this is what they hired you to do. Yeah. You know, and and so, yeah, I, I, I've 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 made the point, man. If folks hire me to do a three-hour show, I play for three hours. I don't take breaks. Yeah, and um, doesn't like me for that. And so that's another reason that I like playing solo. Is I don't have anybody to argue with. Yeah, you know, I don't have anybody I have to discuss. This isn't what you know. The first question should not be, "When's the first break?" Right, right. You know, yeah. What yeah. difference does it make? You're there anyway, right? Yeah. yeah you might as well. You might as well just do it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So if you go all this way to take a break, man, shit. Why? Yeah. <laughs> why? <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> well, you know, get yeah. a play. Let's play, man. It's game time. Let's go. You know, I'm an old hard hitting football player, man. I hated that it had to happen in quarters, you know? Yeah. I didn't 
throws a half time. I'd much rather just keep hitting this person across from me, man. You know, at least with this one, I don't got to worry about my knee going out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. I tell you what, Kevin, it's it's been uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you, and uh, you know I I hope and I wish you uh, you know all the best as you know as this COVID thing ends and you get back to to normal life or whatever life will be in that. But um, yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on my my show in that, and uh, um, I'll make sure that Doug has. Uh, the graphics, you know, for the ads for when it airs, because I, I record these two or three months out. Yeah. And so it'll probably be January, February before this actually airs, which might be good because, you know, that might be about the time that, you know, who knows that things are, are getting back out there and, and stuff. So, uh, but anyway, it was a real Go ahead. I know, I'm just saying, we have to be hopeful. Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it, you know. I know it's going to come around, so, you know, it has to. Yeah. You know, it's got to get back to it now. But uh, anyway, I appreciate all your time, and I look forward to seeing you again when you get near Chicago or if I get near Iowa. And, hey, uh, I know I know that the good folks, um, the good folks at, um, is it Blues on Halstead? Uh-huh. Uh I know that uh the folks there want to bring me in when when the opportunity uh presents itself and it's safe and uh there's a couple other places uh that uh actually uh Toronto's trying to help get me into man cuz I'm I'm I mean it's only 3 hours for me to get from here to there man so yeah. I uh yeah I, I I love the I would love the opportunity man I know Winter, winter changes the game for everybody, but uh, you know, I uh, I'm hopeful that uh, that some opportunities are going to present themselves. Yeah, I'm sure they will. There's a lot of places to to play. You know, I mean, I mean, I understand the landscapes changed a little bit, but yeah, I mean, with Toronzo's help, you should be able to get into you know, like Fitzgeralds and Berwyn and. You know, yeah. Blues on Halstead, maybe Rose's Lounge, and, you know, I'm sure you could play Buddies and, you know, oh, yeah. all that stuff, you know. So I'm sure that, you know, and there's a lot of places in the suburbs, too. You know what I mean? A lot. There's a, there's actually a shitload of places in the suburbs to play. So, you know, and that, a lot of people don't go to the city and, you know, they go to all the venues around the city and stuff. And so... Who knows? But uh, but anyway, Kevin, um, I got I got a slide, man. But I uh, I appreciate you. I really do. Man, now thank you for this opportunity, man. I I, uh, I look forward to getting a, having a chance to cross paths, man. And uh, yeah, man, don't hesitate to holler, man. I appreciate it. You take care. Okay, keep your family safe, buddy. Absolutely, do the same, man. And uh, you know, congratulations on beating this shit, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. I really do. All right, man. Big uh, love. Uh, take care. All right. There you have it. Kevin Burt, the one and only Iowa's, uh, you know, famous acoustic blues dude, man. He's he's a cool guy. He really is. So, you know, make sure you're going to his website, KevinBurt.com, and you're following him on all aspects of the social media. 
and you're going out to see him once uh, things open back up. I want to thank Kevin for uh, his time. It was a true privilege in order to uh, to spend that time with him, and I wish him and his family and his band all the best. That's for sure. That was Kevin Burt on Gulf Coast Records. So, you know what? Guess who's coming around next Wednesday? That's right. We're in 2021 next week, and we are kicking it off strong with John Harrington, the guitarist from Steely Dam. <laughs> Man, it's a great show. It's going to be a video episode, so you'll be able to get it here on audio, but you'll also be able to get it on YouTube at Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. And, uh, you know, it's pretty cool because he does play a little bit, you know, and even if it's just noodling, ah, it's John Harrington. So next week, my guest is John Harrington. You know, make sure that you're following me, Jimmy Warren, on all aspects of social media, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and also at Jimmy Warren Radio on Facebook. Um, go to our website and subscribe to... uh our email list so that you don't miss out on anything. And don't forget, our new website launches January 1st, just a few days, www.guitartalkofficial.com. So there you have it. Until next week when we're with John Harrington, you know, thanks to Kevin Burt for this episode. We want to thank everybody for listening to uh, Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. Y'all have a safe week. Thank <laughs> you.